in our line of work. Yeah. In my line of work, and yeah. sometimes your line. Of work. <laughs> uh, we travel a lot, and it's not easy actually being away from home when you're filming in different city or for a few months at a time. And I like my family to feel as comfortable as possible. So what do I do? I go on Airbnb. And I look up all of the houses in the areas that I am going to be filming. And mm-hmm. I see if I can find the absolute best house for my family That's when I'm right. working. Actually, I worked in Albuquerque. I have a house in Albuquerque. And I rent it as an Airbnb. You sure do. So there you go. So think about it. Your home sits empty while you're away. Why not have your empty space earn some extra income? Hosting is a lot easier than you might think. You don't need an Airbnb, a whole house. You could just You could just host your spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Kate Hudson. And my name is Oliver Hudson. We wanted to do something that highlighted our relationship. And what it's like to be siblings. We are a sibling rivalry. No, no. Sibling rivalry. Don't do that with your mouth. (laughs) Sibling rivalry. That's good. Oliver, I am so excited about this next guest. I'm I'm actually like, I have like a little bit of anxiety about the questions I'm going to ask. I know, I know. Or what you're going to ask. Well, I know. I I, I want to ask this guest, here's a little hint of who we're talking to, about actually consuming human flesh. Oh, I mean, and, and having to eat their friends in order to survive. Right. So that should give you a hint as to who we're talking to if you have seen the older flick right. uh, movie called Which Alive. called Alive. So we are interviewing Dr. Roberto Canessa, who mm-hmm. still lives in Uruguay. Yep. And um, he is one of the survivors of the plane crash. That Actually, the, the one who hi- ended up hiking out right. with Nando. Right, with his Nando. His boy. Yeah. And they trekked 43 miles, not really knowing where they were going, sort of knowing that Chile was west following the sun west yeah 100,000 steps i'm a little anxious to talk about i don't know what to ask i don't you know when you're in these situations i feel a little bit of anxiety i want to ask the right question but you also don't want to offend or bring back any sort of haunting i memory. don't know how he feels about these the, i know how he feels i know about I, I have a feeling so, he's going to be pretty cool so but i can't wait to yeah Let's, why don't we let him and in? Oh, and also, by the way, this is also one of our favorite movies growing up. Oh my god! But yeah. there's a new one on Netflix, Society of the Snow. Right, and that's what. So apparently, it's amazing, and it's done in in the native languages. Right. And I'm excited to see it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm yes, gonna watch it. Me too. I'm gonna watch it tonight. And let's bring on Dr. Roberto Canessa. Open the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hello hello oh, finally finally i thought you, I'm you, sorry. Were, dead. you were i'm so sorry <laughs> we were <laughs> roberto we're so we're so excited to talk to you about your amazing story What's that, that we so are long? very familiar with so long ago i forgot about it 
No, I know, not, a, not a possibility. But, uh, I'm a grandpa now. <laughs> are are you? you? Where are you living? I'm living in Uruguay, Montevideo, at the bottom of South America, there, between Brazil and Argentina. Oh my! And so, and so now, for for those who for those who don't know your story, I mean, I know it's a it's a long one. It's an amazing book about an amazing film, alive. Um, but do you mind sharing a little bit about what happened in 1972? Well, we were a rugby team, the Old Christians Club, and we were heading to Chile to buy a play a friendship match. We are in the Atlantic coast and we had to fly to the Pacific. So we had to fly it over the Antis and the weather conditions were not appropriate. So it was very clouded. And uh, so the plane decided to descend before it had crossed the Andes and it crashed against the mountains. Human mistake. It was, it was pilot error. Pilot error. Yeah. Stranded there for two, almost ten over weeks. two, yeah, 10 weeks, over two uh, months. Right. 72 days. Yeah. 72 days. Faced with starvation, freezing temperatures, two avalanches that almost killed everyone, but it did, it did, I think it did take eight people, those avalanches, correct? Correct, correct. And then at some point you had to make the decision because your rescue was called off to hike out and to find help. And you were one of those people who actually hiked out. Do I have that correct? Yeah, there were many teams that tried to hike and they failed. This was October, which is winter in South America. So they were caught by thunderstorms and everything. So I, I thought that we had to wait. So the final expedition was December 11th. And then we were out the 22nd of December. Yeah. So I think we were the, the poorest manifestation of human beings. I've been reading a very good book called Factfulness about how poor people can be. And then the first level is the humans that gather for for eating that it's uh, but they have water they have to go two hours on a, with a bucket to get water but we wouldn't have any water so we were the most poor manifestation of human beings so let's start from the beginning a little bit i'd like to understand about your career for rugby um so when you were younger i mean was this something where you this team and like being on this team was a was a huge deal i would assume for you um, and to travel like that at that age? Well, I was 19 years old, and in the previous year, I played for the national team, Uruguayan national team, which is not huge, I mean, rugby, but uh, we played against the Chileans, and we were very even. The Argentinians used to beat us strongly, and Paraguay was very weak. So we became friends with the Chileans and say, why don't you come and with your team instead of coming with the national team so we don't have to wait for two years? So that was, that was the way it began the, the project. And before we had a plane crash the previous year, we have done the, the same trip. It was spectacular. I mean, uh, the mountains were great. The weather was great. So the next year, we just were fascinated to go back there to play. Was there a lot of camaraderie on the team? You know, did you guys know each other very, very well? And you were all best friends? Well, we we uh, they come from a school called the Irish Christian Brothers. The Irish Christian Brothers went to South America to teach religion and, and English. And it was a very incredible mixture between different cultures. I mean, we have lots of cow meat, lots, lots of sunshine. And the Irish people they have to eat potatoes all the time. And they were very poor, but very educated. So there was a different civilization, especially we, we came to sports that they say well, you're not playing soccer because soccer is a, a game that doesn't doesn't educate people. You go to the soccer courts and they insult the referee, they insult the other people. You'll play rugby. There is a sport where the judge is always right. Brother, because they were Christian brothers, this is unfair because what happens if he makes a mistake? And, and then he told us, who told you life is fair? Life is unfair. So they will be good for teaching you. And after we finish the school, we decided to make our own rugby team. It was an amateur team. I mean, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 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 so here you are, you know, flying. And and when did you know something was wrong? Was it clear? Like, and did it happen fast, or did it feel like forever? No, no. We we had a couple of air bumps between the clouds, and we begin fooling around. And then someone said, look at the mountains, they are very close to the wing. And in that moment, 
the uh, engine went full power. The plane was shaking and trying to climb, and then it hit the mountain. And you know, when it hit the mountain, I said, Roberto, you're going to die. I don't know what death is like, but this is the only thing you look forward is dying. What happens is the plane lost the tail and both wings, and the fuselage begin sliding on the side of the mountain. And I remember very vividly this moment because uh, a guy was praying the Hail Mary. The other was saying, Jesus, Jesus, don't, I don't want to die. And I grabbed to my seat with all my strength. And when the, the fuselage hit the bottom of the valley, all the seat got dislodged. I was thrown to the fore part of the plane with incredible force. I got a huge blow on, on my head. And as, as I was fainting, I felt it had stopped and say, I'm alive. My arms are here, my my legs are there. I cannot believe I I made it. I mean, this is a plane crash, of course, and but if I must get out of the way because there were lots of dead people and injured people. And and I when I went to the back part of the plane where the, the door was at the tail, this all had been broken. And uh we're in the middle of the mountains, was snowing very peacefully around. No help, no nothing, no ambulances, and a mess with my friends injured, uh, blown in the head, other were delirious, and I, a guy had a, an iron bar stuck into his stomach, the other one had a broken leg, so we had to put everything in place. Another guy coming towards the plane, and when he was like 10 meters apart, he was literally swallowed by the snow. So we thought, uh, this is dementia, this is crazy, this is not true. There's a, a, this is a nightmare. I must push a button and reverse what I'm going through. This cannot be real that we crashed against the mountain. I'm alive and all these people are, are dead. But that was a real thing. And someone said, the pilot is alive. He was the key man. The pilot knew about where we were. So we rushed into the cabin and the guy was bleeding and saying, we passed Curicó. And uh, Curicó is in the middle of the Valley of Chile and we're in the middle of the mountains. So he was making a huge mistake. He was the key man, but he was the man that crashed the plane. So uh, I learned further on in life that when you have an advisor, if he makes mistakes, you better change your advisor because that doesn't mean that he's uh, the authority. And then the, the night came on and, and we had to get all together into the fuselage and people were crying, were dying, were uh, different circumstances. And so when the next day came on, I my your mind gets reset. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling very, very happy that the most injured people weren't suffering anymore and was not shouting. I think that the, the changes your mind can make and what happened there is the the society of the snow. We had to develop a different society from the everyday society because it was impossible to survive. And as everyone knows, the food was the dead people. So there were lots of changes that abruptly we had to assume in order to, to keep alive. Did someone, did someone assume the role of the leader? Or like, how did that happen? How did the leader, how did the leaders emerge from a situation like this? Well, our natural leader was the captain of the team. I mean, and we went towards him, but he was devastated. I mean, he was a, a rugby team leader. And of course, no one wants to be the leader when this Titanic is sinking. Mm -hmm. It happens in those moments that merges the, the leadership of ideas, the ideas that come up more strongly are the ones that go around. I believe that this is a, a, an experiment about human behavior and, and that I was, were like guinea pigs that were submitted to a terrible circumstances. And, and it's very interesting the the leadership part that people theoretically can can go on, but there wasn't time to leadership. And and as you know, you know, leadership changes according to circumstances. Mm -hmm. Winston Churchill was an incredible leader. He won the war, but he lost the presidents to, to England. So the leadership is a changing motion. And it, I, th I think there's something that should be reviewed among how leadership goes around in, into groups because the leadership was there, the leadership of ideas. So it shifted yeah. as, as these two months progressed and, and you're trying to survive and you're using all of your capabilities as humans to sort of just stay breathing and stay alive. Those, those, yeah. those roles shifted and changed, huh? 
Yes, leadership changes according to demands, according to what is needed. Another very interesting aspect is that we came very close to God. I mean, we're rugby players, we're enjoying dating girls and drinking beer and everything. And when you found yourself there and your friend that is the same as you is dead, and the line between life and death is very, very slim, you get towards your probable next boss, which is God. And you begin to think, hey, God, I'm going to meet you, where I'm going to go, where you're going to put me. And this is something I, I have found uh, when you write me at people in jail. People in jail can be very uh, devout and very Catholic. And this is a kind of human behavior. I, I mean, I think we, we are programmed in a way that uh, in face of death, the religion comes and the need of God comes around. When we cannot cope with the situation is when, when God comes around and, and emerges as the force that would give you the chances that naturally you wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in the, the moment, what were the sort of most like critical decisions that had to be made? You know, were there, were there sort of moments where it was like, well, we're either going to stay here. Like, do you remember exactly the time when you're ship when you're shifting all those ideas around with your teammates and survivors? Like, what were the most critical decisions? Well, a couple of very clever and strong guys tried to get out, and they were caught by snowstorms, and they came back with their teeth. They were loose. They were freezing. They were blind. So uh, it was very difficult to to walk out, and especially the pilots say we passed Curicó, but the tallest mountains were towards Chile, and uh, and a friend of mine, Nando, had brought her mother and her sister, and that both us died at the plane crash. So he was committed that he wanted to go out, and he wanted me to go with him, uh, but I wasn't very convinced. So other friends would come around and say, go and convince Roberto to, to walk with you. And he would come around and tell me, Fido says that I have to convince you. Is he coming? No, he wants me to convince you. So it's a kind of manipulation I felt that was going around. You know, this is, these are the kind of human decisions that you must face. Until one day, a guy with his broken legs that was making waters because we have water machines. There were the back parts of the seats that were in metal and you put the snow and then drop by drop, you would do the water. And the guy tells me, I look at you, Roberto, and I think that you must feel great. I feel as bad as you do. I say, no, no, no. I have my both legs broken and I'm a parasite. And I rely on people like you. They would have the energy and the legs to get out of here. And in that moment, my mind completely switched. I, I came out from being there in the comfort zone or whatever you want to mention it, as an, an heroic person that could save my friends. And I had the, the best legs for, for the team. And he said, look at the map. We are lost here. But to Chile, the most would be 70 kilometers. And 70 kilometers, 100,000 steps. We know that to the west is Chile and the sun sets to the west. So if you can walk out 100,000 steps, we will be saved. And that for me was like a, a key decision. Every step you're getting closer. I didn't want to die in the fuselage because it was full of the dead bodies and, uh, and people were peeing there. It was completely depressive to die there. I wanted to die in the virgin snow. So that, mm. that was the, the way my, my brain wow. got programmed. So you almost accepted your fate one way or another when you decided to take those 100,000 steps. Of course, uh, we were going to die. I've seen lots of people dying. So and we were taking challenges and climbing mountains you cannot imagine. And when we were sliding on the other side, we slided for 200, 300 meters and the avalanches were around. And I thought, this is demential. I want to go home. But home was ahead. I couldn't go back. So there, there are lots of of, of uh, ways your men, your mind gets uh, programmed, they were triggered at, at those mountains. So I'm an Airbnb fan. Uh, not only do I stay in Airbnbs, but I actually <laughs> have a house that I rent as an Airbnb. I love a good Airbnb. Oh, I've stayed too. in many Airbnbs. It's the perfect option for family vacations. You can eat meals in the same kitchen. You can have a nice dinner around a table. Well, if- when you when you actually think about it, it's also much more 
affordable and kind of nicer because you all have your own bedrooms. You don't have to share a room with your kids. Yeah. I mean, well, because usually it would cost more in a hotel right. room. It's so easy. So maybe you have an extra bedroom in your home or a guest house that sits empty. Maybe you have an entire house to host. And maybe you're going on vacation. So your house is just sitting there empty. So what do you do? You go on vacation. You're spending money, but you're making money as That's right. Bang, you're bang. Gone. You rent yeah. that. It's like, it's like a nice income. Right. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got a couple options. You can just let it sit there empty or you can make some money off of it. So really think about it. You already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Yeah. And also I have to say one other thing. It's like the thing that I do in bed at night is just I go on Airbnbs all over oh my the God, world. Me too. I do that <laughs> and too. And I'm like, ooh, what is this house in Montana? Oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, I do that too. Oh, what is this house in <laughs> Austin, Texas? So it's always fun to even just dream about places to go to based on the house. Your home might be worth more than you think. So why not make a little more spending money for that yearly trip that you've been saving up for? Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This is kind of a funny question, but in the midst of all this, you know, two weeks, three weeks in, Whenever. Was there a moment when you looked around and thought, man, this is really beautiful here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, because as you know, when I was thinking that we couldn't be in the worst moments of our, our lives and that I was the most miserable person, an avalanche came into the plane. I was completely stuck into the snow and I, and I was dying and a person took me out of the avalanche and we're three days there. And at the third day, we were able to come out and it was a gorgeous day with the blue of the sky and the whiteness of the mountain. And I thought, this is spectacular. Who can help me to get out of here? Because the search had been called off. And, and then I thought, but this was made by God. It was made by the creator. And I used to be a friend of God. So I would ask my friend to get out of here. So the, these are the kind of things that happens when you're completely uh, broken and when you're completely, you don't have any faith in the future. But those kind of, of things that happen, I think that uh, it's a very good lesson for, for to know what to do when you're playing crashes in life. Because people say they have problems. I don't think they have problems. They have obstacles in life. Problems are if they say you have leukemia and you will die in, in two months. These are real. They are problems or problems are when you're stranded in the mountains and, and you see all your friends dying. And when someone dies, you're not sad for him. You're sad for you because you're the next guy on the queue. So there, there is a kind of redistribution of ideas that in the society of, of the snow that we made there, 
were were made and this is something i think is worthy sharing i think that the film portrays them in a in a magnificent way it's a kind of film that you should go into there and let yourself go into the film and go with it if you stay out out of it you will completely paralyze and see whom with the survivors would you think that you were I think it's it's an incredible experience, and yeah. when the film finishes, you're completely in shock. People ask you, "How was the film?" and say, "What what 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 happened? Where am I? Where am I?" You know, and this I think mm -hmm. is a a very what good. A, job. What an amazing feeling, though, that what such a such a such an incredible story was that you feel is rep, was represented so well. You know, did you write the book that the film was made from? No, it was done by a, a friend of mine from the school, Pablo Vierci. Okay. And and and, and the name is the Society of the Snow, and uh, and Bayona that did this film that he was a he did the impossible. The impossible is, is that film that uh, a family was split in the tsunami in Thailand. Yeah, Naomi, Naomi Watts was in that. Yeah. Naomi Watts. Yeah. And Another what, amazing, amazing film. movie. Yeah, yeah, Bajona Jota is an incredible film director. And when he was doing the movie, he was looking for tragedy films, and he saw the Society of the Snow, and he said, "I want to do this book." Mm. And and in one of the chapters, I'm saying it was impossible to su survive a plane crash. It was impossible to survive an avalanche. It was impossible to to walk trek out of the mountains. And that's the reason why he calls the film the impossible. Mm. So I think there. And mm -hmm. it, took, uh, it took him about 10 years. He had to do how, a couple how did, of... How did you feel about the Americans playing the role? Did you care that it was in English, it was all American accented? That was alive. The new film is completely in Spanish. It's spoken in Uruguayan Spanish, not even in Argentinian Spanish. Wow. So it's it's a kind of completely down-to-earth version. And he goes very in-deep into the into the, the the personality of the different persons. I think that uh, at that time that Frank Marshall and Kathy Kennedy did a live was an incredible version of, of what happened in that mm -hmm. moment. But now this is a more in-depth version. And I'm very happy because there are lots of people around the world that are waiting for the story because it's a story that is in the families. You know, your grandma knows about it. You heard about it. You saw the film. And I think it's a very good story for for the kids. My, yeah. grands, my grandson, four years old, comes around and tells me, hey, grandpa, I want cl to climb mountains like you and save my friends. Uh -huh. And I think this is, this is a good message of, of how to share things in life. Oh, no, I know. My, my, my kids have seen the other movie, you know, years ago, Alive. You know, he's 16. I said, we're interviewing Roberto, who was in the thing. He's like, no way. I mean, he couldn't believe that I was even talking, going to be able to talk to you today. So he's seen that version as well. But I do love what you said, which is it's relatable. It's not just a, a movie about sort of a plane crash and survival. It's finding you know, the relatability within the characters. Who are you? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which character are you? How would you have reacted in that situation? You know? Yeah. And and, and also, I, I also love what you're saying to Roberto about the sort of shift of ideas that, that what happens when you're in a situation like that is that everything you knew is is changes. That you don't really understand it until you're sitting there and facing it. And... If only we had the wherewithal to, under, to, to, to understand that moment, would we, we all be living very differently? Yeah, exactly. And Live your life as if you had just been in a plane crash. Well, no, but just this, oh, no, being, being more grateful, being more, more realistic. Yeah. Living life. I mean, life is about eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work, real work, not to complain about your problems at work, and eight hours uh, about personal growth. I mean, your grandparents are going to die. Go and visit them. Your kids are going to be five years old only once. And then we realize, go, we go chasing phantoms of life and vanity plays a huge problem in, in yourself. And vanity is a form of being insecure. I mean, 
I believe that life is about sharing, is about helping helping someone. The other way, I was speaking with the prisoners in jail, and I asked him, "What is to be rich and to be poor?" Of course, they say to rich is to have money. No, my friend, to be rich is to be able to help someone, and to be poor is needing help, needing someone to help you. So that's about it. It's lots more nicer to be helpful than to need help and to be around mm. needing. Uh, uh, and so we, I think we have to to go on a, a different aspect of life and a different way of living. And we are going to be lots happier than than we are nowadays because we are always complaining. The more we have, the more sad we are. There's something something wrong happening there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you think? So obviously this situation completely changed the trajectory of your life as far as how you think and feel about existing on this earth. But you were still so young. You know what I mean? You were 19 yet. You were just 19. So it's interesting. Come on, come like, on, I guess, when you were 19 years old, you felt that you were grown up. Did, yeah. did, seeing someone 19 years old being so young is a perspective of older people. So I think 19 years old is probably is what you're going to be for the rest of your life. So that's true. actually true. That's actually, but that's, but, but that's it, really... I guess I guess reversing the question instead of saying how did it change your life? Who do you think you would have been if you hadn't been through this experience? You know? Do you well, ever think about that? Like, obviously, it changed you. It shifted you. Who do you, do you think you would have been di- a different human? Obviously, a less important person. Because I say something, and people say, wow. And I say what everyone says. <laughs> <in life. laughs> but something very important is that I came out of the Andes to live my life. I didn't come out of the Andes to be famous. I didn't come to, to the Andes to talk to, to the Hudson brothers 50 years later. I can <laughs> well, but but Roberto, so you, like, I want to know what it felt like, like that moment when you saw civilization, when you reached, when you realized that you actually reached safety. What was that like for you? That's a very good question, Kate. And let me tell you, when I saw the shepherd the society of the snow vanished in that moment and I realized that I was back. And I look at, at my uh, rugby socks, they were full of flesh and full of fat. And I thought this is over. I must bury these parts of my friends because they are no longer food. They now belong to someone that should be buried. So th- this possibility of dom- uh, dominating your mind and re-switching re- your mind is something that we must learn a lot. And in every circumstance, how we we should uh, play the best the best role we should have. And this is something we are not doing. We are being pushed around by circumstances. And not, we are not guiding our lives. We are ruling our lives. Life is lots more fun than to be pushed around by drugs, by alcohol, by whatever. Yeah. yeah. So when you say your rugby socks, meaning you filled your socks with food, essentially. Yeah. Our sort of, friends used yeah. to, to put it into the rugby socks. Yeah. The flesh and the fat that mm-hmm. during when we were walking through the snow, they were kept frozen, yeah. but as soon as we cross the, the line of life and death, that for me is when we found the, the grass. And, and I, I thought I was going to be alive. And I saw on the other side of the grass, a lizard that was looking at me and saying, what did you did? Where are you guys from? Come on. And I thought we were coming from the ancient and the most primitive aspect of life, of glaciers and, and, and snow and everything. And we're going back into, into the real world. And then slowly we found a horseshoe. We found cows, but the man was missing. Mm. And then when I saw the shepherd, I just said, we have done it. Nando, I won't walk anymore. I am into peace. And I had also a colossal diarrhea because I was chewing toothpaste that has magnesium milk. So mm-hmm. but I, I don't know at that moment if I was completely uh, weakened or that I had reached my, my objective of seeing uh, that great shepherd that helped us without knowing us. Did you was there, did you, was there a letting go of sorts? I mean, was there just a release? You know, was there emotion or was it just holy? We just we did it. We've accomplished our mission, so to speak. Yes, I, I thought we accomplished our mission. And when I see the helicopters going for my friends there 
And I believe that we came out walking on a very humble and fragile situation. And 10 years later, we are sending helicopters to rescue them. It's like a miracle. It's something that still puts tears into my, into my eyes that seeing how capable we are doing of, of great things in, in life and how, how a, a so low profile life we are living instead of that. And do you know how far you actually had to walk? What did you say? 70 kilometers? Was that yeah. 70 kilometers? And of course, uh, when we went to the top of the mountain and we thought there was going to be a way down, it was not that dark. It was very tortuous. We had to go southeast and southwest because when you make plans in life, most of the problems, they are not what you think they're going to be. They come up with you. So I think it's uh, we should hack changes in life. People are not realistic on doing that and and try and not, and not think about success and failure. You just try your way and success or failure is going to come out later on. So I'm an Airbnb fan. Uh, not only do I stay in Airbnbs, but I actually <laughs> have a house that I rent as an Airbnb. I love a good Airbnb. Oh, I've too. stayed in many Airbnbs. It's the perfect option for family vacations. You can eat meals in the same kitchen. You can have a nice dinner around a table. Well, when you when you actually think about it, it's also much more affordable and kind of nicer because you all have your own bedrooms. You don't have to share a room with your kids. Yeah, I mean, well, because usually it would cost more in a hotel right. room. It's so easy. So maybe you have an extra bedroom in your home or a guest house that sits empty. Maybe you have an entire house to host. And maybe you're going on vacation, so your house is just sitting there empty. So what do you do? You go on vacation, you're spending money, but you're making money as That's right. Bang, bang. Gone. You rent yeah. that. It's like it's like a nice income. Right. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got a couple options. You can just let it sit there empty, or you can make some money off of it. So really think about it. You already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Yeah. And also I have to say one other thing. It's like the thing that I do in bed at night is just I go on Airbnbs all over oh my the God, world. Me too. I do that <laughs> and too. And I'm like, ooh, what is this house in Montana? Oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, I do that too. Oh, what is this house in <laughs> Austin, Texas? So it's always fun to even just dream about places to go to based on the house. Your home might be worth more than you think. So why not make a little more spending money for that yearly trip that you've been saving up for? Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai, if you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. Because of this, did that make your sort of reintroduction after the 72... 72- 72 days 
actually more, more, I guess, easier or simple than, than complicated just because you had sort of faced all of this and, or was there a, a, was there a transition back into the reality of just life? Life. Well, when, when I was back, the club was devastated. We had to rebuild the club. I had to visit the, the parents of my friends that were into pieces. And I thought I was so lucky that I had all these chances of, of coming back, that I had a lot of homework to do. We, we bought some houses for people that had died in the, in the plane crash and the family was left behind. So we, I had the, the feeling of reconstruction. I, I, I felt that I had to go back and that I have achieved what I wanted. I mean, there was no time for, for psychologists or for thinking about it. Or, I mean, I felt very happy at those moments. Mm -hmm. And I remember very vividly that they said that the team wouldn't go back to championship for five years. And at that year, we won, we won the championship. And one of the parents that his son had died in the, uh, the crash came around and hugged me and said, my son has died, but you are here. Mm. And I found this gratefulness of, of the soul of this man that has lost his son, but he's happy that I am and I'm alive and I was given life by, by the body of his son, that there are people that have a, a mental di the dimension that are of greatness that we don't see them around. And then those are the, the people that make a better world for sure. How soon after did you get on, a, on an airplane? Well, we thought about coming back in train and not climbing on an airplane, but uh, all the press was there and they were pushing us and we had the problem about what we had eaten and we had to tell them all together. And I wanted to go back and tell the people, the parents of my friends what had happened. So they just put us on an airplane in Chile. And when I go into the airplane and I smell this, the, the, the plastic of the plane was the same smell and say, wow, we are going to crash again. Mm -hmm. But I thought, Roberto, planes don't crash. So mm -hmm. you, you have very slim chances of crashing twice. So we went back on, on that plane. And then from then you were okay. I mean, you never had really much of a fear of flying after that. No, no, really, I'm not going to fall twice for sure. Let yeah. me tell you, <laughs> it's so true. Um, so, going going back to when you had to make the decision to sort of consume a friend and actually eat flesh, you know, who made that decision? Was it a collective decision? And you know, how was what was the psychology behind that? Just pure survival. As you begin to starve, your belt goes one hole every day. You have to build new holes and you're shrinking and there's nothing, nothing to eat. And then you begin chewing the, the belts of, of and, and the shoes because they have leather. And then someone said, uh, I'm thinking that we should eat the dead bodies. And someone said, that's crazy. We're not going to do that. We are not cannibals. We are going, we're not going to go that down. And in my mind, the, this is the good thing. I was there, so I can tell you what happened. I don't know if it was good or bad, but I thought uh, flesh, proteins, fat, lipids. We need carbohydrates, but I had studied in biochemistry at the uh, Krebs cycle that you can build uh, um, glyco uh, uh, glycogen or carbohydrates from from protein. So the substrate was was okay. So it was, was something we had to do, and I thought. Mm -hmm. If I had died, I would be very proud that my friends who use my body to survive, they would be part of that. I mean, it was 1970. There wasn't any kind of transplants or any kind of, of this kind of, of survival techniques, but uh, it was quite uh, very humiliating, but very simple. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you still in touch with, how, how many survivors were there? 16. 30. 16. 16. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. how many people were on the, the aircraft? 35. 35. 35. 29 survived. Eight died in the avalanche. And 16 made it. We live in the same neighborhood. Uh, my sons go to the school with a grand... Uh, sons of, of guys that had died in the, in the mountains. We are a community. I think it's very helpful to be a community in order to overcome these kind of situations. Mm. And do you connect with the, 
each other? Are you? Do you have like reunions? And I was reading about that. It keeps growing and growing because there's grandkids, kids, and grandkids. That's so great. Yeah, yeah. At the first twenty, the twenty second of December was the day we were out. And at the first celebration, we we're thirty two, and now we are hundred and eighty. And we are, and the families of the ones that came also are very close. And this film that was made on the point of view of one that the guys that had died has united all all kind of differences between the ones that survived and the ones that died and what and and what about your family like when what seeing your parents um when you came when like what was that experience like well my my father and 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 the and the father of, of my girlfriend used to organize search and to go and look for us and uh and I told my girlfriend, some find someone else, but you cannot tell your mother, find someone else because your mother is loving you all the time. So I was telling my mother, I'm alive, I'm alive, look for me. And she was saying, I feel him alive. I know that she will be back. And so my girlfriend would go and, and visit uh, my mother and she would go home and say, Roberto is alive. And the father would say, this girl is crazy. She's 19 years old. Her boyfriend has been stranded in the mountain for two months. It's impossible that he is alive. And one day my father-in-law had to wake her and she was in bed and understand and felt someone crying and telling him, you you're, you are right. He's alive. Oh I'm going to look for him tomorrow. And she was very happy to see uh, his rugby player. When she came to me, I was into pieces. My mother said, you look like an old man. I had lost like 30 kilograms. I was, my lips were bleeding. I was completely destroyed. And my mother grabbed my hand and said, I knew where you were back. Everything is over. Mama, we had to eat the dead people. Who cares? You are okay. I, I knew that you were coming back. Wow. Are there moments that you look do you look fondly upon this experience? You know what I mean? Like of camaraderie, of being together, of survival, you now that you're through it. No, of course. Uh, this is a story about friendship. It's a story about passion. It's a story about teamwork. Mm-hmm. It's a story about um, people's success. And it's a story that is worthy of being sharing. And that's the reason I think civilization nowadays that is so spoiled needs more stories. I mean, we are completely, the people that are going to look this program having life more than what they need and they do less what they can. If you have water to think, if you have a place to sleep, if you have something to eat, come on guy, it's upon you. Don't wait for your airplane to crash to realize how good you were. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you, Roberto. Thank, Thank you. you for coming on. Thank you for telling this story. So nice really to great to talk you. to you. Nice to meet you. Bye-bye. And hopefully we'll see you down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very fun of your films. I enjoy them very much. Keep on Thank going. Thank you. Okay, Thank bye-bye. you very much. All right. We'll see you soon. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's nutty. Wow. What a, what a, what like, what a, what a, what a, I can't what a man, wait. like his perspective on everything. I know. And, and I, I, I can't wait for everyone to hear this. And I know it's a story that a lot of people know because of the 93 film. Right. What we just learned is there's a new film, which <laughs> you didn't know. No, I didn't. I uh, knew it. I knew yeah, it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's, I'm excited to watch it. Oh I'm going to watch, watch it tonight. tonight. Yeah, I'm literally 100%. watching yeah, it yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was fascinated with the film itself, like alive when, when it came out. Well, and he was just so, so happy with this film because it sounds like it's very honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my I'm excited God. to watch it. I think it's because. Um, we didn't realize that we're interviewing him because we were just so excited to interview. Right, but he's but promoting he's promoting something. this movie. I yeah. think that's what's happening. And we, we had are, no idea. Great, we're on top of our game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was Listen, incredible to talk to him. Regardless, oh and I'm glad God. we get and to promote I his love, show. He had a great sense of humor. He the uh, we got a Hudson Brothers hit out on that. Meaning, I like know. he must have known. I, I guess he, so. He must be our dad's age. He reminded me of like Ellie. He, uh, our therapist. Yeah. yeah to- totally. I almost started to totally cry. Get, tell him my deep, dark secrets. <laughs> you're you like, know? I'm like, you're like, well, what should I do about anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know. Just get in the, get in the plane crash. 
Oliver, and if our if our list readers, if our <laughs> listeners knew about Ellie, he he's 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 yeah. literally looks and kind of sounds yes, just like no, I know Roberto, and he also has this swag that same like, feeling, Roberto the has vibe. This, like, swag to him. Yeah, too. I have yeah. the same thing. I found my face actually turning into what my face like kind of does when I'm <laughs> when I'm in my therapy session. <laughs> I know, totally. but he had such amazing wisdom. Yes, he did. I, 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 and and you know, you 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 do you realize that so many people, so so many people who have come in the face of death, he talks about finding God or mm-hmm. the the introduction to the relationship of God, yes, or to your spirituality or to what motivates you to survive. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, very that, cool that it that that is in those moments. Like you and you asked such a good question, which I'm not going to ruin. Um, but I loved that question. That this you is asked. the outro, so you can say it. Is this the outro? Yeah, because you're speaking as if we've already talked to him. Okay, so this <laughs> outro, I can say this. Okay, so 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 no, but when you said, was there any moment where you looked and said, "Oh my God, it's so beautiful," right? And and he said yes. I mean, what a what an amazing. I I I love. Yeah, when he came out of the avalanche. And yeah. Snow, 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 bang. And then it was beautiful blue and that's sky. When, and that's when God. Yeah. That's when he was like, I'm either going to yeah. move and get out of this or I'm going to stay here. Die. And he's like, I'm not going to die with a bunch of rotting corpses, essentially. Yeah. He goes, I want to die, die in the fresh, in the fresh, in the fresh powder and the pow pow. I loved that. I hope everybody enjoyed that episode. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80 live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.